So if Noach had lived during Avram's time, he would have been a nobody, at least according to one opinion. The only thing is that they did actually live for a period of time at the same time. Turns out that Avraham's generation is not just about a time frame, it's about a headspace, the great innovation of faith that Avraham Avinu introduced to the world, that it's not good enough just to have a logical basis for believing in a creator. The beginning of our parasha that says, told us, Noyach, these are the descendants or generations of Noyach, or the deeds of Noyach. He was a righteous, perfect man in his generation. <coughs> we know that there are two opinions that interpret why the Pasuk specifically says he was great in his generation, instead of just saying generically that he was great. And both of those are Kamuva Bipirish Rashi Alatara are quoted by Rashi in his commentary. There are those who use it as a, an accolade for Noach, that despite how bad his generation was, he was a righteous person. And some see it as less than complimentary. And those who don't believe it to be complimentary, the way they explain it, as Rashi tells us, is that he was a relative tzaddik in a generation of rogues. But had he lived in Avram of his generation, he would have not been considered anybody at all. So let's think about this. That expression, had he lived in Avram's generation, it is not something which seems immediately clear to us because Avram Avinu was born 58 years before Noach passed away. As the very easy to remember sign that the Ebenezer gives for this, that Avram Avinu was 58, which is Noach, at the time that Noach passed away. Which indicates clearly that Noach and Avram both lived at the same time for five decades, almost six. So how can you say if Noach had been in Avram's generation, he'd be nobody? He was partially in Avram's generation. You could argue, well, in his early years, Avram Avinu was not yet at the peak of his righteousness. To the extent that the Medrash says that Avram Avinu had some own self-doubt in a sense. He was afraid and he used to say, Maybe I'm still tainted by the fact that I served idolatry together with my family in my early years. He only came to the realization of Hashem later on in life. Still, whichever opinion you go with as to the age by when Avraham Avinu recognized Hashem, it was certainly before and quite a bit before the age of 58. It was either 3 or it was 40 or 48 maybe 50 according to an opinion. Especially when you consider that Avram Avinu's realization about God was self-propelled. As the Rambam tells us in great detail at the beginning of Hilchas Avodah and by the way, we're going to go back to the beginning of Hilchas Avodah in a lot of detail to try and understand what's going on over here. The Rambam writes that Avram Avinu came to his own conclusions about the fact that Hashem exists. And he had nobody to teach him or to show him the way. And that's different to Noach. Because the fact that the Rambam singles out Avram Avinu as having worked out about Hashem on his own implies that Noach didn't have to do it on his own. 
In fact, there's even a Gemara that tells us that when it comes to the secret of knowing how to work out the, the calendar, which is a Torah-based principle, that he learned these things from Chanoich and Mr. Shelach, Mr. Shelach being his grandfather, especially when you consider the Rambam said Mr. Shalach had a proper yeshiva running and he had a base din. There's no question that his most important grandson, Noach, learned and was exposed. So in other words, Noach did not have to work it out for himself. He had good teachers. So that tells us that Noach got whatever awareness of Hashem from other people who preceded him. And likewise, there's a major difference between the conduct of Noach versus the conduct of Avram. Because Noach says, Rashi, he needed support to retain his connection to Hashem. Whereas Avram Avinu was self-motivated. So why on earth would the sages say, Had Noach been in Avram's generation, he would be nothing. When you know that Noach actually did live for a period of time when Avram Avinu was already on the scene, and not just that he was living, but Noach lived through the, the, the period after Avram Avinu had already made his independent personal decision to recognize Hashem. The only argument that you might want to give is, we're not going to measure from the time that Avram started his own journey, but rather from the time that he started to influence others. As the Gemara says, the souls that he produced while in Choron, <coughs> like we see the Gemara says that that is when the two millennia of Torah began not when Avram Avinu was born not even when he recognized Hashem but only when he became proactive in teaching people about monotheism even that is something that happened a few years before Noach passed away the Gemara concludes that he was 52 years old when he began reaching out to teach people about Hashem, and Noach was still alive at that time. So how can we suggest that Noach would be a nobody in Avram of his generation when he actually did live in Avram of his generation and was still a hero? So to understand this, let's analyze the different opinions about at what age and stage Avram of recognized Hashem and why those that, that information is important to us. There are a number of opinions how old Avram Avinu was when he recognized Hashem. Was he Ben Shalish 3 or Ben Harboim 40? Ben Harboim Mashmoyne was 48. Ben Chamishim was 50 years old. The Rambam, when he deals with the topic in his introduction to Avodah Zorah, he goes with the opinion that Avram Avinu was 40 years old. Now we need to know why the Rambam feels that this is important information for us to know and what is it about being 40 years old that is so important to the rejection of idolatry and the acceptance of Hashem. Because of Azehor Ayvad, the Ravad takes issue with what the Rambam's written that he was 40 years old when Avram Avinu recognized Hashem. It says, yes, So the Ravad says, hang on a second, but there is a Midrash that says that Avram Avinu believed in Hashem for 172 years, that's the word Ekev, out of his 175. Therefore, we can conclude that he was three years old when he acknowledged Hashem. So there seems to be a debate over here between the Rambam and the Ravad. The Kesef Mishnah, um, co- uh, he... he um, coincides, he correlates the two opinions. 
we can actually see that both the Rambam and the Ravid have valid points. That Avram Avinu at three years old began to think about the Ebishter. But it took till he was 40 years old to really have a meaningful, wholesome appreciation of what Hashem is all about. And the Rambam, according to the Kesef Mishnah, wrote the main point, which is when Avram Avinu had mastered awareness of Hashem, which is when he was 40 years old. And the Kesem Mishra points out that Avram Avinu, uh, sorry, that the Rambam says that Avram Avinu came to recognize Hashem at 40, not 48, as is written in other classical sources. Which leads us, leaves us with a question. He, look at most of the Midrash, and what does it say? That Avram Avinu was 48 when he recognized Hashem. Why did the Rambam specifically choose to use the version that says that Avram Avinu was 40 years old when he recognized Hashem? What is the significance of 40? What is the message the Rambam is teaching us? And while we're here about it, Seeing as the Kesef Mishnah correctly points out that there is scope to say that Avram Avinu at least began the journey of recognizing Hashem at three years old, why doesn't the Rambam talk about it at all? We can accommodate both the opinion that he was three and that he was forty. Especially when you consider that at the beginning of the Salocha, the Rambam is discussing how Avram Avinu conducted himself when he was still young. As soon as he was weaned, he already as a young person started to think and, and philosophize about Hashem. Why does the Rambam omit to mention that when the process began for Avram Avinu, he was three years old? Now, in order to understand that, we're going to expand out what the Rambam says over the first three Halachas of with a big overarching question, which is, the Rambam's book is a book of laws. Why is he telling us the history of idolatry? So let's have a look at the overarching introduction that the Rambam makes to the laws of Avodah Zarah. In the first chapter of Avodah Zarah, the Rambam starts by saying, In the time of Enosh, people made a terrible error, and that was that they started to ascribe some kind of value to other things besides Hashem. After he goes through the whole explanation that they thought that Hashem wants us to give some kind of homage to the stars and the planets and the spiritual beings, etc. The Rambam then tells us and that was the foundation on which Avodah Zarah was built. That's the first halacha in the first chapter of Avodah Zarah. Then it continues in the second halacha. Time passed. False prophets emerged. And they came up with these fantasies that Hashem wanted them to go and serve a particular star planet or whatever the case might be. And the Rambam goes into quite a bit of detail about this. And he goes through all the different evolutions of the thinking at the time until he came to the most uh, outright type of Avodah Zorah that exists. And then he continues as follows. Eventually, everybody totally forgot about Eibishter. And nobody recognized Hashem, which was different from the time of Enosh, where they said Hashem wanted us to pay tribute to the various forces of, of nature. And now we reach a point, says the Rambam, where people forgot about Eibishter completely, except for certain uh, elite 
individuals. Those were the outstanding personalities who still kept their heads screwed on. And so the world effectively was derailing until the great personality foundation of the whole world of Avraham Avinu was born and then things started to change and that he explains in the next halacha the third halacha of the first chapter of Avodah Zorah the Rambam dedicates the third halacha to the history of how Avram Avinu came to recognize Hashem. And the Rambam talks about the tremendous efforts that Avram Avinu put into instilling this value of Hashem into many tens of thousands of people. To recognize the Ebishter and to serve the Ebishter. And then he Talks about the transmission of this information. Avram to Yitzchak, Yitzchak to Yaakov, Yaakov lomed Bonav Chulei. Yaakov even taught his sons. Mamshach betir matzav ne Yaakov at sheshalach Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Moshe Rabbeinu and Osin Samitzvus to Yisrael. And then he tells us the whole history, all the way until Moshe Rabbeinu came and gave the Torah to the Yidden. V'chol zebaruchos gedola. All three aspects the Rambam details in tremendous detail. Which raises the big question. It doesn't seem to make sense. The Rambam tells us himself in his introduction to Mishnah Torah that the objective of this book is to teach us all the laws that you need to know. And therefore, it's not a history book, not the history of the broader society, and not even a history book of the Jewish people. In that case, why do we need all of this detail? That the the, the Rambam puts into this chapter why do we have to know about the whole dissolution of faith that happened from the time of Enosh until outright of Zorah why do we have to know what happened until the Ebishter chose the Jewish people and crowned us with mitzvahs and he told us how we should serve Hashem and how we should respond to Avodah Why do we need all of that information? You know what would have made sense? If the Rambam would have started off by saying Adam Harishan was instructed not to serve idolatry. Then we could have explained that we had to have all of the detail. Because the Rambam is building towards a point, and that point will only emerge in the next chapter. And the point is, that any person who acknowledges Avodah rejects as well as all the values and principles that were shared through Hashem's prophets, starting from Adam Harishan. So, had the Rambam begun by telling us that Adam Harishan was told not to serve idolatry, then we could understand the value of the history. And even that would be a bit of a stretch. And we could also say because Noach and his children were obviously told not to serve idolatry. So therefore we had to have all of this detail. Even though Avodah Zorah was something that, uh, re- that persisted for many generations. And spread throughout the whole world. The Rambam wants us to know that even though it was common practice, that doesn't mean it was not forbidden. So he needs us to know that Avodah Zorah is forbidden. And all of those people, across all of those generations, in all of those places, all transgressed what Hashem wants. But the Rambam didn't do that. 
אבל הרמב״ם לא הזכיר בכל הפרק של אדם הראשון נצטווה על אבוי דזורה. הרמב״ם לא הזכיר בכל הפרק של אדם הראשון נצטווה על אבוי דזורה. והרמב״ם So the answer is, the story is important for us to understand what Avodah Zorah is all about. What's so objectionable about Avodah Zorah? All of that information and all of that historical data that the Rambam shares with us is to prepare us for an appreciation of what Avodah Zorah is and how it should be treated. So what does that mean? The transgression of Avodah Zarah obviously includes certain things that you're not permitted to actually do. Avodah Zarah. But what lies beneath all of that and what Avodah Zarah is really all about is how a person thinks. And this is what distinguishes Avodah Zarah from most other transgressions which are really about what a person does. Here the way a person thinks and what they believe is central to the principle of Avodah Zarah. What is the, the, the uh, objectionable thought process of Avodah Zarah? So when a person starts to think, Shenivra, that's something which is created, Malachal Galgal Chulei, whether it be an angel, or whether it be a force of nature, Heimeleka, Oisasha, Kolponim, Mitzis Bifne Atzmo. The thought process that this is something which is a form of deity, or at the very least, an intercessor between us and Hashem, in other words, has some level of independence from Hashem, that is the foundational problem of Avodah Zarah, attributing independent value to anything outside of Hashem. And that's something which is forbidden. We're not allowed to think that anything or anyone has any independent power from Hashem. And the Rambam tells us this. The Rambam will tell us exactly this positioning statement at the beginning of the second chapter where he says that the core of the prohibition of Avodah Zorah is not to serve any being, whether it be an angel, etc. Even if the person says, yes, I know that Hashem is the God. And the only reason that the person is giving any value to any of these other entities is like in the generation of Enosh because you believe misguidedly that that's what Hashem wants. That's exactly what the Torah warned us against doing. Maybe your, your so-called eye of your heart, in other words, your perception will look around and believe and you'd think that maybe these forces actually control the world and they gave them authority and a person might think that it's appropriate to bow to them and to serve them that's exactly what the prohibitions of the Torah are don't follow the error of the thinking of the heart. To serve these entities and to see them as some kind of an intercessor between us and Hashem. And then the We may not read the books of idolatry. And we may not even think about any of their philosophies and their theologies. 
And says the Rambam, all of this is one central theme, which is that we should not stray or be in any way enticed after and says the Rambam, while he's about it, it's not only that we're forbidden to entertain thoughts of paganism in our minds, we are also equally not allowed to entertain any thoughts that might undermine a core principle of Torah. In other words, what's very unique about Avodah Zorah is it's about the way a person thinks and that the critical thing is not to think or believe that any force in the world operates independently of Hashem because that would be Avodah Zorah. We say move on. Therefore, we can understand in order for us to actually fulfill the positive mitzvah and the, the negative mitzvah associated with Avodah Zorah. Later on, we'll see what the positive mitzvah is. It's not good enough just to know, don't bow there, yes, bow here. The practical action elements of this mitzvah. What is absolutely critical to fulfilling the requirements that the Torah has around Avodah Zorah is to make sure our heads are right. And we don't go into thought processes which are inappropriate thought processes. And that's why the Rambam goes into so much detail in his introduction to Avodah Zorah to help us understand what the thought processes are which would qualify as a transgression. The Rambam wants us to know that every one of us has to carve into our minds and our hearts that nothing that was created has any independent value. And therefore we may not give any honor or give anything consideration, certainly not serve anything that is an ivra that was created. Whatever it is, no matter how impressive it appears to us, we may not put it on a pedestal. Whether it be an angel, a star, part of the zodiac system, any of the physical elements that the world is built on, we may not ascribe them any independent value. We say, not only that, the introduction, this positioning statement of how we understand what we're supposed to believe and what we have to reject from our beliefs, that is the foundation on which all mitzvahs are, bought, are built. Because being cautious to avoid is something that impacts and is something that is, so to speak, the root of all other mitzvahs. So we've really got to get Avodah Zorah right. We have to know what thoughts are just out of our heads. That's why the Rambam gives us all of that information in his introduction in the first chapter before he talks about the technical details of Avodah Zorah. And how does he tell the story to us? He says there was a time in history when people made a mistake. Those who were the brains trust of that generation did things wrong. And the Rambam even explains what they thought wrong. They believed that because the Ebishta had put these celestial beings into the sky, he had ascribed honor to them, and therefore, we should do the same. To the effect that that eventually evolved into building temples for them, God forbid. The Rambam is not just telling us history. He's illustrating to us what is Avodah Zorah all about? What 
precipitates Avodah Zorah. Gam boifin shahoyse b'mei enosh kasha b'nei adam b'kshem masem lasik v'tena b'yedah b'dayta hara'ah. Where, in the Rambam's own words, this was a generation that actually wanted to try and understand what the Ebishon wants from them. Sounds as if they even had a positive motivation, and yet they got it so wrong. The Rambam wants us to know we don't simply reject Avodah Zorah because Hashem said so, but because it is a false narrative. It is against the reality. The reality is it is, it is illogical to serve Avodah Zorah. The only reason a person would go down that route is because they're making a serious error. Even though they knew that there's only Hashem and that's it. They were so corrupted in their thinking that they convinced themselves that serving idols, or in this case serving the celestial beings, was what Hashem wanted. So the Rambam wants us to know you don't just simply take it on faith and not serve idols. You have to understand it's an illogical position. Nobody in their right mind would ascribe value to something created by Hashem and not ascribe their value directly to the Maker. After the Rambam tells us the principle not to think of anything as being independently valuable, then he tells us how the wheels come off and it gets much worse than that. When you have these people running around with their fantasies saying, Hashem said we should serve that star. And then they had their various so-called priests running around saying, if you do this, you're going to succeed in business or in health or whatever it is. Or the possibility the Rambam presents where a person claims that this entity spoke to me and said we should serve it. To the extent that they started to say, well, this particular icon, if you create this particular icon, you have this image in your house, it's going to bring you good luck or bad luck. And the Rambam tells us clearly the only reason that this became part of human thinking is because there were false prophets at the time. What's the Rambam telling us? The first Halacha, where he described the thinking that allows people to believe there are things of independent value in Hashem's world, can eventually erode to the point of false prophets and icons. In other words, the Rambam is telling us that that initial misstep in terms of how people interpreted the world led to this absolute disaster. To a completely irrational position. And the only reason that people think in these totally irrational terms is because they have these false prophets running around and they think that they're actually real. Says the Rambam, if a person continues down that path, eventually they will forget about Hashem completely, as happened. As the Rambam says, over the period of time, people forgot Hashem altogether. The Rambam has positioned things in such a way that because of one critical error that they made at the beginning, their thinking was wrong. They believed that there was room to give some kind of value to things that Hashem had created. That eventually evolves into outright rejection of Hashem. Not only rejection, but a complete deletion of Hashem from their own perspective on life. 
Then, after the Rambam's told us that, then he tells us about the person who brings the world back to its senses. Then, in the third halacha, he describes how did Avram Avinu get it right? How did he become conscious of Hashem? The Rambam, in doing this, is reinforcing what he already told us, which is a thinking, rational person should absolutely reject Avodah Zorah. Even though Avram Avinu was surrounded by people who were serving Avodah Zorah in the worst possible fashion, and he didn't know any different initially, so he was serving there too, still using rational thinking. He was able to work out logically that everybody else is off the wall, and what they're doing makes no sense, and we have to correct it, and we have to acknowledge Hashem. Not only does the Rambam tell us that in broad strokes, he tells us specifics. How did Avram Avinu arrive at that, that logical conclusion? The Rambam says he, he pondered how various things work. How does the whole galactic cycle turn and, and who's moving it can't happen on its own. And so his mind was wondering, exploring, philosophizing. That's how he came rationally to accept that there has to be a creator. In other words, the Rambam is telling us that a simple observation of creation forces us to realize that there has to be a God, there has to be a creator, there has to be somebody, someone, a being, an entity who's running the whole world. And that is, in fact, a rational position. And all of that the Rambam needs us to know as an introduction to and as the foundation of what Avodah Zarah is all about. The Rambam doesn't just want us as Jewish people to be aware of what actions we shouldn't take so that we don't contravene Avodah Zarah. The main thing he wants is He wants to get the truth into our heads. Not only do I say, okay, I know that I'm not allowed to say those words or walk into that building or bow in that fashion. The Rambam wants us to get our heads so clear that it makes no sense to have Avodah Zarah that we are completely immune to Avodah Zarah. The Rambam wants us as the introduction to Avodah Zarah to get so clear in our heads that there's nothing besides Hashem. Naturally, Avodah Zarah would not be an option. Ah, if that's the Rambam's position, that Avodah Zarah is a fundamentally illogical position, and therefore the way to get rid of Avodah Zarah is just simply to understand how the world works, that would explain why, Avram Avi, why according to the Rambam, Avram Avinu recognized Hashem at 40 years old. That's why... The Rambam went with the opinion that Avram Avinu recognized Hashem at 40, not 48 or 50 or whatever. And plus, at the same time, we'll also understand why the Rambam felt it was necessary for us to know at all what age Avram Avinu was. Why does the Rambam want us to know he was 40 years old? Because knowing Avram Avinu is 40 helps reinforce our perspective. Why don't you serve Avodah Zarah? Because it makes no sense. The Pirkei Avos, the Mishnah tells us, Forty is the year, the age of understanding. When a person reaches forty, by nature the person will have a more rounded understanding of the world. 
כשם שבן שלושים לקויח, הנזקי לפני זה הוא עניין שבטבע האדם, in exactly the same way as 30 years old, mentioned prior to this in the Mishnah, is an age where a person peaks in physical strength, that is a natural phenomenon. ועד דרך זה בין חומש למקרה של לפעול עבירים בין חמישים לעצה, בין שישים לזיקנה וכולי של אחריו, as well as all the other milestones mentioned in the Mishnah, these are things that happen as a natural course. 40 years old is where a person has an insight into life that comes with experience and maturity. ומזה מובן. So therefore to recognize that there's a creator. And to reject the possibility that anything that was created has independent worth and power. The Rambam wants us to know that that realization is part and parcel of the natural intellectual appreciation of how the world works. It is not some kind of a super rational or supernatural position. That's why the Rambam chooses to say that Avram Avinu recognized Hashem at 40 years old. Because 40 years old is when the intellect is at its most mature. I mean, or, or, or has, has achieved its full maturity. So therefore the age of Avram fits directly with the context of this chapter. Even though the Rambam agrees that as a person continues to grow and continues to learn, so their mind will mature and develop further. As Avram Avinu also deepened his appreciation of Hashem beyond the age of 40, as the various opinions illustrate, a deep understanding at 48, at 50, etc. The point the Rambam wants to make is at 40 years old, that's when a person's maturity really reaches you know, its, its, its fruition and therefore that's the point where Avraham Avinu is able to look at life from a purely intellectual perspective and say there has to be a creator. And that will also answer the question we asked. Why doesn't the Rambam say anything about the fact that Avraham Avinu started this journey at three years old? Where he began to recognize Hashem. Because had the Rambam mentioned that, that's why then you would have thought, ah, Avraham Avinu is some kind of a great prodigy who doesn't operate like a normal person. His awareness of Hashem was miraculous. It was a gift from on high. Because wow, a person at three years old should already have this kind of realization and awareness. So the Rambam skips that because he does not want us to fall into that trap of thinking that Avram Avinu's awareness of Hashem was supernatural, but rather to appreciate that it is a rational process because the rejection of Avodah Zorah is rational. And that's why the Rambam tells us the various details of how Avram Avinu arrived at those conclusions. And the Rambam tells us that Avram Avinu then went to debate against the leaders of the pagan movement. And things got a little bit heated because he eventually destroyed their thinking with his rational approach to the extent that Nimrod wanted him killed. Likewise, the Rambam tells us that he traveled around from place to place, garnering support for his, for his uh, ideology, until he brought people back to the path of truth. And he had an, eventually an impact on tens of thousands of people. Because what did Avraham Avinu do? He used outright logic. 
And that compelled people to have to accept what he had to say and come on board and recognize Hashem. And that all highlights and reinforces the message over here, which is that the rejection of Avodah Zarah is a rational position. Now that we know this information, let's go back to our original question, which might have already receded from memory because <laughs> we've been talking about Avram Avinu as this great person teaching the world about Hashem. But our original question was, why are we saying that Noach in Avram Avinu's generation would be nothing if in fact he did live in the time of Avram Avinu? And the answer is going to be there's a big difference between living in the time of Avram versus living in his generation. What I mean? Noach in Avram's generation would have been nothing. The message over here is not to say that Noach versus Avram, Noach is nothing. The specific emphasis over here is compared to the generation of Avram, Noach is nothing. What is the generation of Avram? The generation of Avram is not referring to the time that, no, that Avram of him now becomes a known entity because he's starting to bring people closer to awareness of Hashem. Which, as we've already noted, is something that happened while Noach was still alive. We're looking over here at the time in which those people became his people. In other words, to be called his generation means they had now also taken on his philosophies. That means a time where the average person is now accepting of the ideology and the perspective of Avram Avinu. That is not something that happened when Avram Avinu was still in Urkastim because all he did then was he beat them in the debates. But they wanted to kill him. And even though he brought and attracted people to Hashem while he was in Choron, that is still not the time we call Avram Avinu's generation. This only happened much later where there was a groundswell of following of monotheistic principles. It's only when he got to Canaan and there he really started to proclaim Hashem's name as the Gemara famously tells us. The Rambam tells us it was then Canaan that he had his following of thousands and tens of thousands of people who had his principles rooted in their hearts. What happened over there in Canaan that was so amazing? When Avram was dealing with the population in Canaan, it's not that he just had the one upmanship one over them because he had better arguments than them and therefore they receded into the background. In fact, in Canaan, it's not even that they heard what Avram had to say and they said, wow, this really makes a lot of sense. We acknowledge it. Either one of those would imply there's me and then there's the faith in God, which is something that I adopt now because I realize that you've got a really good point. Because Avram Avinu had influenced them. That's the words that the Rambam uses. It was completely ingrained in their hearts. That refers to a period of time where belief in Hashem had become so real to these people. It was as if they had achieved it on their own accord. In other words, to speak to our theme that Avodah is something you reject because rationally it doesn't make sense. Well, here's a period in time where people en masse 
rationally rejected Avodah Zarah and rationally accepted Hashem, not because Avram Avinu had convinced them, but because it actually made sense to them too as well. That's the period of time you can call Avraham's generation. A period of time where you can refer to the whole generation as Avraham of his followers. In other words, we're saying this is a generation of people who are filled with awareness of Hashem like Avraham of himself. Now we understand the comment that had Noach been in the generation of Avram. That only happens when Avram is in his 70s. Noach is no longer alive at that point in time. Therefore we could say had Noach been there at that particular point, he wouldn't have actually featured. The only thing is we still need to clarify one thing about how the Rambam unpacks Avraham Avinu's awareness of Hashem in that third halacha. Because he tells us all these wonderful things about Avraham Avinu and the message is that it's such a clear rational principle that everybody accepted it even the people who were his followers were not his followers because of his charisma or because of his compelling arguments but because it actually made sense to them. Why then does the Rambam continue to describe that there was a period in Mitzrayim where Avraham Avinu's own core descendants, the Jewish people, forgot about Hashem and started to serve Avodah Zarah. How does that fit with this theme? So the children of Yaakov became a nation that knew Hashem until they spent an extended period in Egypt. And then things changed. They started to learn from the Egyptians. And the Jews started to serve Avodah Zarah. And it's almost as if the principles Avram had instilled were almost completely uprooted. Now that seems to fly in the face of the Rambam's entire approach, which is that Avodah Zarah is something that makes sense and therefore you reject, it, you reject Avodah Zarah on, on, rational, on a rational basis and you accept Hashem. Well, if that's the case, how did the Jews forget about it when they were in Egypt? That sounds like what happened to the Jews in Egypt totally contradicts the entire thrust of this chapter. Because the Rambam's entire argument has been that your mind will tell you Avodah Zarah has no place. And you know and acknowledge Hashem. Whereas at the end of the story, the Rambam is telling us even that nation who was the great nation to celebrate the knowledge of Hashem, were influenced by and started to serve idolatry like the Egyptians. How is that even possible? And the answer to that lies in what the Rambam tells us was the solution to that lapse in Avodah Zarah, Moshe, i.e. the Torah. Look what the Rambam says next. Because they sent Moshe, the chief of all prophets, and sent him to us. And then Moshe was inspired to take us as Hashem's nation and forge us into the, the chosen people. And then we were, so to speak, adorned or crowned with mitzvahs. And then he told us how we're supposed to behave and what we're supposed to do and how we deal with Havodah What's that telling us? The Rambam's principle, which is that it makes absolute sense that there's no room for Havodah Zarah. And it's not even in the way of the, Durham, the, the early, early idolaters who believed, well, Hashem wants us to give a little bit of respect to His creations. 
As we've already said, it is something that is natural, it is something that is logical. And it's something which we need to know as the introduction to the whole of Avodah Zarah that we have to appreciate. The reason we have laws about Avodah Zarah is because even our mind can reject the, problem, the, the problematic perspective of Avodah Zarah. Because as we have said, the human mind is absolutely capable and inclined to reject Avodah Zarah and accept Hashem. Still, the human mind does have limitations. We have to know that as powerful as the human mind is, we cannot build everything on that foundation. Critical lesson, we cannot just rely on the rational mind to ensure that we reject our and connect to Hashem. Because look what happened. That despite the fact that they had been the nation that recognized Hashem. There was a period where that was undone, where they were in Mitzrayim, influenced by the Egyptians, and forgot about their faith in Hashem. And we started to follow all the nonsense of the nations of the world. In other words, major warning label over here, that yes, it is true, Avodah Zorah makes no sense, but don't think that just acknowledging the irrational nature of Avodah Zarah will protect us from it. Unfortunately, people do irrational things. In order to prevent ourselves from those irrational things, So what did Hashem do as the solution for this distraction that a person might, despite their best rational intentions, actually get sucked into Avodah Zarah, you need a Moshe who gives mitzvahs. Which means, ultimately, why do we not follow Avodah Zarah? Because Hashem said so, and we accept Hashem's authority. And that's not only that we have to acknowledge that there's a God, but even the way in which we serve Hashem. Because we have seen that at the time of Avraham Avinu, people were able logically to reach the conclusion that it is appropriate to serve Hashem. That the only one appropriate to serve is Hashem. And only to Hashem should we be bowing and bringing korbanos and pouring libations, etc. And at the same time that that makes perfect sense, we have to know that the core reason why we do these things or why we avoid those things is because Hashem said so. Because the Ebershah told us what we're supposed to do and how we serve Hashem, not because we get to choose. We don't get to choose how we serve Hashem because it makes sense to us. We have to know that this is what Hashem said and that's what we do. This has practical legal implications. Even a person who has a robust mind and therefore is pretty clear rationally that you've got to serve Hashem and you have to reject Avodah Still, the reason that Jewish person fulfills the requirements of the Torah around Avodah Zarah, including the obvious, which is that you don't serve idols, we have to do it because Hashem told us to, not because it's a ridiculous suggestion. Which leaves us with the following. That actually, in the first parak of the laws of Avodah Zarah, the Rambam is actually telling us two halachas. 
The first thing the Rambam wants us to know is that the thought of Avedah Zara is irrational. And therefore, the expectation of the Torah is that every one of us, in a purely rational way, should accept all of the details of what is wrong with Avedah Zara and what we may not do. That's one part of it. The other part. At the same time, the Rambam wants us to know that our dedication to fulfilling the mitzvahs surrounding Avodah Zarah shouldn't just be based on a rational basis. Why do you and I reject Avodah Zarah? Because Moshe Rabbeinu told us so in Hashem's name. Why don't we serve Avodah Zarah? Because we have faith in Hashem, which is super rational, and we're afraid to contravene what Hashem wants. So, avoiding Avodah Zarah is the negative side of this argument. But there's also a positive side, which is to acknowledge Hashem, to know Hashem, and to be cognizant of Hashem's oneness. Like, look how the Rambam says it, that the first book of his 14 books of Mishnah Torah, he's going to speak about issues of faith. What are the two primary issues he uses? Knowing Hashem's oneness. And rejecting And that he says is going to be called Sefer Amadah. So there you have it. When he's talking about the negative, he's telling us that there are two elements to it. You've got to reject Avodah And with that, you have to know that the key is to accept Hashem. But even when he talks from the perspective of the positive, at the beginning of Yosei Torah, which is the foundational principles of how a Jewish person is supposed to believe, he says, we have to know that there is an initial and an original power that makes everything exist. To know that there's a God. So you've got to know it logically, just like he says about Avodah Zorah, you've got to know logically that Avodah Zorah makes no sense. You have to know that there's a God who created the world. But in the same way as with Avodah Zorah, he says, and not only do we reject Avodah Zorah because of the rational, nonsensical basis for Avodah Zorah, the irrational, nonsensical basis for Avodah Zorah, but we reject Avodah Zorah because Hashem said so. So not only do we accept Hashem as a creator later with what is rational to us, but of Reish Sefer Amitzvah, not the Rambam Aloshen. At the beginning of Sefer Amitzvah, the Rambam says, "Sivona Baham Monasoi Leikus." We have to believe. Shanamin Sheshamil Vesibuchulei. We have to believe that there's an original cause. That means that we have to have faith, which is even greater than and higher than logic, to propel us to acknowledge that there's Hashem. Now that we have these two perspectives, which is that our acceptance of Hashem has to have a rational and a super-rational basis. And likewise, our rejection of Avodah Zorah has to have a rational and a Kabbalah soul perspective. So let's add the perspective of Hasidus to this. So we all know that when it comes to faith in Hashem, just logically acknowledging that there has to be a cause, that there has to be a puppet master, a creator, isn't actually good enough. 
because ultimately that would be something we arrive at using our own logic. Well, if we're using human intellect, we can only reach as far as human intellect can go, which is to appreciate that there has to be an original force, an original source, an original creator, because that's what the mind can understand. Which means we are relating to a dimension of Hashem that has already been contracted and filtered to relate to creation. But in order to grasp the truth of Hashem, to be able to grasp the dimension of godliness which is totally beyond being involved in or limited to the things of this world. No brain can reach that. Only the power of faith can put us in touch with the dimension of Hashem that is beyond the creation of the world and the processes of creation. So that's on the positive side, right? That we need a part of ourselves that is completely beyond the rational in order to access Hashem. We have a similar component on the negative side. When the Torah gives us all the instructions prohibiting Avodah So as we've already pointed out, obviously you don't just avoid these things because they make sense. You avoid these things because Hashem said so. But that realization and that clarity that nothing really exists besides Hashem. And therefore we absolutely obviously reject anything which is on the furthest extreme, namely Avodah Even that can't just simply be based on a rational basis because it doesn't make sense to serve Avodah Zarah. And the reason being, beside what we've already mentioned, that as long as a person is relying only on the intellect because a person is so invested in the physicality of this world, when we're very invested in the world, needless to say, the world has an impact on us. To the extent that actually the things of this world overrun our logical processes. To the point that we can actually get to the most depraved spiritual perspectives. Look what happened to the Jews in Egypt. They were so sucked into Egyptian society that it affected them. They had been there so long that it invaded and, and infected their minds and they started to think like Egyptians. So therefore we can't rely only on Seichel, but there's another layer of depth to this. Seichel Adam whom it sees, human intellect is a created and therefore limited entity. And therefore human intellect on its own actually isn't powerful enough to completely reject the notion that things which are created have no value independently. Specifically, when a person says, I am rejecting Avodah Zarah, why? Because the Abishta empowered me to do so by instructing me to do so. And then, therefore, I have faith that I may do so and that I can do so. That's when a person can reach the point that anything which is um, created, the, the thought of it having any independent value is something which is absolutely impossible, has to be completely rejected. So when we come from a position of faith in Hashem, connection to something which is beyond our rational mind, then our acceptance of Hashem is absolute and our rejection of Avodah Zorah is absolute.